The NBA playoffs are here. This is the best time of the year if you're a basketball fan. I love April. I love May. If you're looking to see any upcoming playoff games live and in person, wherever you live, I want you to check out the SeatGeek app. It's the best place for uh, to save money on NBA playoff tickets. It's a 100% free service. What SeatGeek does, it aggregates tickets from every major ticket site online, puts them all in one place to make comparison shopping for tickets easy. Uh, I would compare it to Kayak.com for sports and concert tickets. When you're ready to buy tickets, you can snag a great deal right from your phone. Just a couple taps on the app. No better way to find playoff tickets. The other thing, they have technology called Deal Score That calculates what every ticket in the building is worth and whether the price you're paying for that ticket is a good deal or a bad deal. Sounds complicated. It's not. And I have a special uh, bonus for you. Promo code BILL in the SeatGeek app. You get $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. It takes less than a minute to download the app. I would do so. Promo code Bill. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first SeatGeek purchase. Download that app and enjoy the NBA playoffs. Thank you. Grandman presents Bill Don't Lie. Welcome to Bill Don't Lie. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. It's available. It's also available on ESPN.com's Pod Center. It is not the BS Report. We do not run these as BS Reports. They are basketball only every Monday through July at the very least. Thank you for everyone who has subscribed. Please pass the word along. We have Sean Grandy from uh, the Boston Celtics coming up much later around the 40, 45 minute mark. Somewhere in there to talk about Celtics Cavs. Uh, but right now, my buddy Joe House. It is sunny here in Washington, D.C., and the sun is shining down on the truth. Oh, is he? Is this the first time? I, how many times in Washington sports history has somebody just dropped their balls on 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 the sports scene and just said, "I got this, guys. I'm I'm going to show you the way." When when has this happened? I, it 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 hasn't happened in the last twenty years. At least I can't come up with an occasion when it happened. I was thinking about this. On Saturday, it might have happened a little bit with um, some of those uh, old Redskins teams, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. But it right. feels like it's been 25 years since we had somebody with, uh, first of all, the gravitas, second of all, the balls, and third of all, the ability to deliver like the truth here. And, and uh, I have to tell you, it, it felt pretty good. That was an awful game. <laughs> Two of the greats. It was really horrible. I, 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 and then Whitman became immortalized in internet history for the vine of him just repeatedly flipping around uh, whatever you draw plays on. I, there's never been a more apt blooper clip that I've ever seen in my life than that clip because I'm convinced that you don't run plays anyway, so that proved it. <laughs> my favorite uh, social media response to that was our old friend Jay Caspian Kang. Um, who tweeted that that's what it feels like every time he gets into a rental car and tries to figure out which side of the gas tank is on. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, the the uh, Toronto may not be that good. I, I actually felt that deep down for the last few months because um, they they were like barely above 500. The Celtics played them either even or slightly better every time. They were favored in the series, and I just... I was so disenchanted with what I'd seen from the Wiz and all the conversations you and I have had that uh, 
I, I don't feel like I put enough thought into it. I just wrote off the whiz, and I think I made a mistake. Are you? How confident are you right now? Uh, fifty-two percent confident. I mean, okay. uh, just because they've they've won one game, Toronto has dominated Washington this year, and there's no uh, assurance that that what we got out of Pierce um, in Game One will be there um, through the rest of the series. And you know, these are two teams that play a pretty similar style. Um, that is lots and lots and lots of low efficiency jump shots. And the difference in this game was that our uh, stretch four in Pierce um, played pretty well. He shot, I think he only missed three shots. And, uh, you know, the the line between the two teams is not, you know, there isn't a big difference between the two teams in terms of their approach, in terms of their their defense, in terms of their coaching. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I easily see this going seven, and I wouldn't be surprised with either team coming out um, with the series. It was interesting. They basically just played Gortat or Nene. And combined, those guys played 47 minutes, 21 rebounds, 20 points. It's pretty so, good. Like a small ballish type of thing with, with one center, which. Watching them, I, I always kind of wondered why that would. Maybe they wanted to save Pierce. Pierce played 37 minutes in that game. I mean, it did yeah. go into overtime, but um, maybe they wanted to save Pierce's body for the playoffs. But I do think he's a really interesting stretch four. And when you look at that Toronto team, I can't believe we're spending this much time talking about the Wiz Raptor series. I think people are flabbergasted right now. I don't care. Uh, when you look at that Toronto team, it's not like they throw the two big bodies at you. Like they got Amir Johnson who actually had a pretty good game in game one, and then Patterson's a stretch four. But you can kind of get away with that lineup. I don't mind when they go small. Am I crazy? The Wiz? No. If if, if uh, somebody put it to me, if I had to bet a dollar one way or the other, I would bet a dollar on Washington because they can go inside, outside. They they uh, dominated the boards. It was like 61 to 47 or something like that. I'm not sure what Toronto can do to change that. Um, yeah. they, Toronto made a, a concerted effort to – take away transition uh, baskets for Washington, which meant they didn't crash their offensive boards at all. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think, you know, the, 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 the curious thing, I think I, ha- I put this in writing to somebody. It wasn't to you. Oh, that hurts. I, there, is, there is a scenario where I can imagine Washington, I know this is crazy, I'm, I'm conceding it, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. I know Why it sounds crazy. crazy. Well, Atlanta's already, like, Horford's banged up now, and no Thabo, and Millsap's shoulder's a little funky. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I, I was not yeah. really that impressed with the Hawks. And, it, 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 you know, a lot of it is attributable to the injuries. Uh, and it's a shame for them that they're not 100% healthy. And, you know, that team that we saw in that stretch they ripped off December and January, they're a different team now. Yeah. But, uh they don't scare me. They don't scare me any. I watched that game, and I thought Rick Fox and Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas has been good, I think, in the studio. Uh, good for you, Zeke. Uh, that was that was my way of sounding like an ex-player. Um, I, they both killed Brooklyn after for not posting up Brooke Lopez enough, and I had the same reaction when I was watching the game. But the, I, it's not it's not like the Hawks have Dikembe Mutombo in there. I thought Brooke Lopez was going to be the biggest Nets advantage they have. I think he took like seven shots. 
He still is the biggest advantage they have. The, the thing that I read afterwards, I watched that game too and obviously had the same reaction. They they can't get him the ball the way they've been accustomed to getting him the ball all season. So it's up to Lionel Hollins to make an adjustment. So is he going to make the adjustment or not? They have a pocket pass they use to get him the ball in the post, and that pocket pass was taken away because Atlanta is a very good defensive team, and they didn't even try it really. And they're going to well, have that, to swing that, the ball side to side to get it inside. That's what Isaiah Thomas and, and uh, Rick Fox were like killing the Nets guards. They were basically saying like, like the like Brook Lopez should start a fight in the locker room. He should fight these guys and, and complain about not getting the ball. That is crazy. He played 36 minutes and took seven shots. That's crazy. That's terrible. I mean, Lionel Hollins, who I thought did a good job in Memphis, ha- has been a cadaver in Brooklyn. I mean, he's just been he's a, he's not a bottom four worst coach, but he's been in the bottom ten. And he, he does crazy things. I can't believe how much he was playing Jared Jack in April. But – uh I, I I don't get it. I, I I did watch that game and think, man, from a talent standpoint, this isn't like th- these two teams aren't that far off from each other, you know. But the Hawks I, are so much better coached. They didn't. I agree. Yeah, yesterday I mean, they were they were some weird lineups yesterday from Coach Buds. I thought that uh, uh, Brooklyn is a bad matchup for Atlanta talent wise. You know, you, you, watching uh, Joe Johnson and and Brooke Lopez like those are legit NBA talents who have ratcheted up a, a couple notches now that it's playoff time and I, I this, this series could easily be uh, a real struggle for Atlanta this could be a six or seven game series but the difference is coaching so we'll see we'll see what adjustments get made yeah well coach Buds has to step it up he did a nice job denying Lopez but I didn't like some of the stuff he did in that game uh, and the game really swung on on crazy jump shots by Teague and, and Corver at the end of the game they yeah. made hard shots, really hard shots. I loved – I mean, I love Paul Pierce's interview so much with Jackie McMullen. I just loved it. Yes. Jalen was saying how when you win a ring, you can say whatever you want, which I think is a good way to think about it. It's it's almost like it's like your get-out-of-jail-free card for just being able to crush people. Um, my favorite stuff was – I mean, the stuff he said about the Wiz was interesting, but I wasn't surprised by any of it, right? It's right. basically like, these guys haven't won anything, they need to learn how to win. Like we, We've heard people say that before. He sure. crushed the Nets. He like, did. He made it seem like Darren Williams and Joe Johnson were just like were just like cashing checks. I was stunned by that. Well, I, I thought that he was fair to Darren Williams. I thought that the idea that uh, Darren Williams wasn't really ready for all of the collateral... Uh, uh, accompaniments, all the stuff that 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 is so different about um, Utah as a place, and you know the greater metropolitan New York uh, area as as a place, and what that means in terms of all the other kind of pressures, the non basketball pressures, and, and especially in the way of expectations, that that Darren wasn't up to it. He didn't have he, he didn't have any context for how to process that, and he just hasn't been up to it so far. And he's been a little bit injured. I didn't read what Paul had to say in those quotes to Jackie McMullen as being just an evisceration of Darren Williams. I thought he, he was very sort of fair about it, about it but the truth well, remains. But he said it was, it was what, did he, what word did he use, horrible? It was like one of the, like whatever his year was there, it was like horrible, and it was, had to be because of the coaches. I mean, not because of the players. There were some great uh, 
NBA rumor mill stories about about that stuff too. Yeah, uh, Brooklyn. If they like, this was probably the best thing for the Celtics that they made the playoffs because now it makes me feel like they'll try to. Especially if this can go seven, it'll give them hope for next year. And I'm not sure there should be hope for next year. Right. And we have their number one pick unprotected. So I'm selfishly, I'm hoping this series goes seven and plants the seed in like, you know, we got to bring Lopez back. We got to blah, blah, blah. And, 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 uh, and I really hope that happens. Um, <laughs> the, the, the one other. What wait, was wait, wait. Why, why would that be preferable to them tearing it all down, though? You have their pick either way, right? It's not protected. Right. But I, but. I think that so they just—they're a thirty-eight to forty-two win team. Well, the Celtics' best chance to get that pick is Lopez breaks down again, and Darren Williams just continues to go in his tailspin, and a couple of the other teams jump them, right? Like Orlando jumps them. Um, the Knicks get better immediately, and all of a sudden they're in the bottom five in the East or the bottom four. I would say that—that's the—that's the blueprint. Um, the other thing is if Lopez just leaves as a free agent, they wouldn't have the cap space to be able to get anyone else anyway. So that could also really help the Celtics. Well, that's, so I, w- I wonder if they wouldn't, wouldn't just commence a tear down right away. Uh, how do you tear it the- down, though? Would it, I mean, it's not like they don't have any guys that have real value. Well, Lo- they don't Lopez have any first-round picks to trade. What? Lopez leaves, and you don't do anything meaningful to try and bring him what? back. And you know. What can you do, though? But you don't have cap space. Is this the last year, upcoming season, the fifteen sixteen season, the last year of the Joe Johnson contract? Yeah, and the so that's da- an expiring. And Joe, but Joe and Darren next year make a combined like forty five. <laughs> it's the best Brooklyn's the best. Anyway, so the other the other interesting what's going to happen storyline that came out around what of uh, this weekend was uh, Lamarcus in Portland. Jason Quick had an interesting piece in in the Oregonian. It was the same thing I was thinking because they were so bad in that game. Yeah, and he was playing hard. Didn't seem like his teammates were kind of showed up. There was one play where everyone was in the huddle, but he was still on the bench. And um, well, Dame Lillard had was a terrible. awful game, huh? Dame had an awful game. Dame was terrible, and I do think there's some. I do think there's some. Uh, you know, Dame has like this high approval rating. Aldridge is like the unsung guy nobody really talks about. He might just want to become the hero and go to some different place. And also, like, it, well, if it's if it's to be be the hero, then he should stay in Portland because he's beloved there. He's a, he's established himself there. He is, you know, he's he's the whole the whole show there. I disagree. Like, what if he could go to San Antonio or Dallas? Oh, to help sort of recharge what those teams are trying to accomplish. Yeah, those Texas. are teams that are headed in the right direction. He's from Texas. Yeah. Well, what he won't he went- be. He won't be the. He won't be. Uh, you, you, so, the hero theory there is he arrives uh, and immediately, you know, puts them over the hump in terms of whatever uh, failures they encounter this year. Because it looks like Dallas is. Uh, well, who I think that series is going to go six or seven, but I don't think they're going to end up beating Houston if uh, no, Howard continues Houston. to be effective. And um, the Spurs, oh, let me ask you this: Is wow. the Marcus Aldridge famous and well famous enough and well known enough for 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 what? 
for being one of the best 15 basketball players in the world? I don't probably not. Let's say he signs with the Knicks. I'm not saying that he would do that or that would make sense. And now it's LaMarcus Aldridge, Carmelo Anthony, their top three pick, and then they're able to get somebody else. They still have Jose Calderon. All of a sudden, they have a team. Does he get more attention for that? Yes. Does he get more attention for replacing Tim Duncan in San Antonio? Goes to San Antonio. Tim Duncan, he passes the torch to him. It would be a story all year long. Yeah. Versus him just re-signing in Portland. He's playing with Nick Batum. Wes Matthews coming off an Achilles. They don't get any free agents. I I would be concerned. If I'm a Blazers fan, I am super concerned. And I didn't feel that way two months ago, but I think they're going to get trounced in this series. I agree with that. They're a terrible matchup with with Memphis, and they, they haven't been able to solve them all season. And there's absolutely nothing that we just watched. Uh, from yesterday's game that suggests that was that game was the the most thorough beatdown, um, and it wasn't even close. Uh, uh, um, you know, at least Boston kind of hung with the Cavs a little bit. I mean, it, there was never uh, any our, one of about our the toughest, our, one of our toughest gambling losses in a while. It basically came down to Phil Pressy toilet bowling a, a layup at the end that would have covered the over and the Celtics, and we had both. I'd like parlay. to say that I'm mad at you, but I'm really not mad at you. I'm mad at myself. I I I I've learned this lesson. It's been 25 years of, of gambling failure yeah. to know better than to to be watching a game and and watching the last two minutes and saying, "Please, Avery Bradley, make this shot. Please, Kelly Olynyk, take a good shot here or, or make the correct play defensively. Please, Phil Pressy, make this layup." You know, I, it makes me hate. You don't myself. like that scenario? I, well, it makes me mad at me. What? Okay. I should have learned something by now. Big. Uh... The big storylines for me coming out of the positive storylines coming out of round one. Uh, Davis was amazing in that fourth quarter against the Warriors. It was I great. mean, that was legitimately scary. And it makes me wonder what the future holds. And do they just. I would just dump Ashik. I just. I would just. He's out. We'll play him 12 minutes a game. I, I would just go with small ball with Davis at the four. At the five. And. Uh, and just make the Warriors match up to it. Make them have to play that lineup. We really need Tyreek to come back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do. Thing to hear, but um, for 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 the games to really even be interesting, uh, there needs to be some somebody on the Pels um, in, in their backcourt that can play a little bit of offense. Cause a little was, too much it, Norris Cole in game one. A little, little too much. Tiny bit. Wow. A little more than I ordered. I didn't order yeah. 34 minutes of Norris Cole. I thought I just ordered him as an appetizer. Ashik. Ashik's making one of the worst free agents. Miami last year. <clears throat> what happened? Uh, Norris Cole and, uh, and and Chalmers both. I wanted them both out of my life forever after watching yeah. that Miami debacle against the Spurs. But you're, you, let me hear you about Ashik. I'm, 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 I'm totally agreeing with you. Well, he's a free agent, and I thought he was a candidate to get overpaid, but they couldn't even play him in that game one. I mean, he couldn't yeah. even stay on the floor. They have they have Drew Holiday. Anderson also, I I don't know if it's stuff, you know, he's had a really rough uh, year and a half personally. I don't know how much factor, that factored into it, but he just doesn't look the same. No, he looked And uh, the guys, like, it seems like they can go to war with are Davis, Eric Gordon, Pondexter, who was a freaking steal. Yep. Drew Holiday, 
And then if they can get Tyreek back, yeah, that's my five. I'm just playing those five. I'm going super small. Play freaking Pondexter at the four. Who cares? It's a just good play five. Those four. It's a fun five. Yeah, play those four. Spread the floor. Try to give Davis as much space as you can give him around the foul line and just try to beat the Warriors that way because they they don't have a better team, but they can beat them with a gimmick and with, and with Davis. I thought it, he they the Warriors just don't have anybody who can who can defend him. So, that doesn't make them unique either. I'm, I'm not sure who does have anybody in the whole league that can Right. But especially like the way their defense operates – it's it's hinges on the theory that nobody is really going to make them pay it at that kind of Anthony Davis type height. Yeah, you know, because you're playing yeah. Draymond can't guard him. So, no. and Bogut's too slow. And who else? There's nobody there. So that's it. Um, another storyline. I like that series. I it's funny. The Warriors are up 25, and it was like this series is going to suck. And then Davis flicked the switch. He must have been nervous first half. And then uh, it became semi-interesting. It'll be oh. fun to watch. I still think it's just going to be five games, but um, all of them are worth watching because of the Davis factor. And the Curry-Thompson thing. You know, that it's funny. Like We were talking about the Nets and how Darren Williams and Joe Johnson um, just – maybe separately they could have made it with a different backcourt partner, but you put them together and the energy and the body language and just personality, everything is just a bad fit. Just those two guys together are a bad fit. And with the Warriors, it's the opposite with the Splash Brothers. Um, Another storyline I really liked. I thought Derrick Rose looked like Derrick Rose. Oh, yeah. that's uh, Everybody's saying the same thing. He's so happy. Yeah. I mean, you know, a rare good moment for the guy. He's deserved it. I I couldn't believe it when I read it. First playoff game since 2012. Mm. Wow. And he only played nine-tenths of that playoff game and then was never seen again in that playoffs because he got hurt. Yeah. But uh, I got to say, I was not expecting the Derrick Rose round one resurgence. It is a freaking game changer if it continues. Obviously... My guard's up, your guard's up, every, everyone who loves basketball. The guards are all up. Yeah. But, you know, if they can get this for 10 weeks, it's kind of a game changer. Well, it's it's really just, you know, uh, take it <laughs> – let me do this cliche. We'll just take it one game at a time, hmm. you know, monitor his minutes, make sure that, that uh, he's not overextending. You know, game one is fine. For him to go ahead and be excited and run the run the, all the, the the plays through him that they did, but the more important thing is is the long haul, right? We want to play the long game here, and so let's not, um, you know, let's not overdo it. Let's not overexert here because I don't think the Bulls are going to have any trouble with Milwaukee. No. Well, Tibbs, Tibbs, uh, Tibbs was leaving some guys open. I, hey, I would Mark- say deliberately. Yeah, hey, Michael Carter Waves, it's the playoffs. We're going to leave you alone from 20 feet. We wish you the best of luck. Hey, Giannis, we're just going to play off you. You have to make that. And uh, and that's trouble for the yeah. uh, for the Bucks. But I do like the Bucks. I, I can't believe how well coached they are. The Jason Kidd being a good coach thing was I did, just didn't expect in life. I, I still have um, a tiny bitter taste in my mouth for, for – the, the Bucks last year because I thought that they were going to be this team last year. 
Mm. I thought they had all the right component parts. I thought Larry Sanders was going to repeat and return to form. And it's for that reason that I was so grossly and grotesquely incorrect about their win total this season. Um, They went went 14 games over or whatever it was, but... uh, I had the wrong years. I had the yeah. I had forgot about how Larry Drew betting on Larry Drew. Turns out that's not a great idea. Apparently not. And uh, and Jason Kidd, who knew? So uh, Rockets, Mavs. I you know I gotta say like the Rockets don't totally make sense to me, but they play really well together, and they and they're good on defense. They have a great pace. Are we underrating Kevin McHale as a coach? Because I feel like maybe we are. Well, he, he, two things about that. In the first place, they are going to let Rajon Rondo. They're they're playing five on four defense, right? Yeah. They're, they, they're, they're going to let him so cut, do whatever he wants uh, every single game. They're begging Dallas to play him. You know, thirty three, thirty four minutes a game. They're begging it, uh, begging for it. The other thing is. You know, Dwight Howard as rim protector in the playoffs, that that's a that's kind of a game changer. It kind yeah. of tilts things. He only played seventeen minutes though. That that was correct. That was that was absolutely the right, you know the the right way to approach it, but he, you know, they were a good seventeen minutes. I might have underestimated the Rockets in this respect. I I thought when they lost Beverly and Monte Yunus that that was just a, a deal breaker for them because two valuable rotation guys. But the reality is, they still have the most important pieces, right? Harden's still a hundred percent. Yeah, they still have Ariza. Howard's coming back and starting to play, and Terrence Jones is has to be the starting power forward on the team of guys that isn't considered a really good player. But sometimes you'll watch him on the right night, and it seems like he's third team All NBA. Yeah. So, I think Todd Gibson's on that team too. He might be, <laughs> a couple others. Yeah. But uh, they just play well together, and, I, and they got a great resurgence year out of Jason Terry, who was just about washed up and toiling in Sacramento and headed for uh, a career on the TNTB team. And uh, and all of a sudden, he's back to where he was. But I, the Rondo thing, I, I mean, I watched I watched that guy for nine years. He is not the same guy. And I don't know if it's like Evan Turner, I think, is like this. Evan Turner is not good on your team unless you just give him the ball and let him have the ball all the time. And then he's pretty good unless he's going against LeBron James in a playoff series. Then then that seems like a bad then idea. That's not, yeah, not a good but when record. he's playing like, you know, Philadelphia in February and it's like, hey, Evan Turner, run the show. Like he can put up like 30, 10, and 8. Yeah. Um, but Rondo, I think, is, is has reached that point in his career where – Unless you just give him the car keys and you don't let anyone else drive the car, he's actually kind of a negative on your team. I mean, I don't love plus minus, but he was minus 25 in that game. And it it confirmed what I was watching. Like Evan Turner was minus 20 in that Celtic game for the first like three and a half quarters. And that confirmed what I was watching that game. Again, I don't love plus minus. Well, how about this? He, He did not, his joining Dallas, you know, if you go back to, to, there, um, from the moment he joined through the end of the season, were they a 500 team? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, one of the things, Jay Crowder's been really good as a role player for the Celtics, and I think he really would have helped the Mavs. And, you know, 
I thought it was a great trade for them. I thought Rondo had a switch that he was going to turn on. Yeah. I, I just don't think he's the same physically since he hurt his knee. And when you think about what Dallas could have done with if they just kept Jay Crowder, if they just kept Brandon Wright, and then used that number one pick to try to go for another point guard who didn't cost what Rondo cost, um, it seems like in retrospect, I mean, I hate doing the hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, in retrospect, that just would have been a much better course for them. I think they could have gotten more bang for their buck just trading that number one pick, and that's it. It's too yeah, bad. It, it, it's true. I, I think everybody... Um, subscribe to the to the switch theory though with with Rondo. They, there there would be, I, uh, I sure did. I did too. There was no switch. Didn't, he, he didn't flip anything. If I'm a Laker fan, and people really do think that Rondo and Love are going to the Lakers, I mean that's a thing. I heard um, Jalen say it. Man, that's it's that's out there. People people are, are feel pretty strongly about that one, especially the Rondo part. Love like might turn into a hero on Cleveland and decide not to leave. Like that that's still that's still wait and see for me. But Rondo seems like the Lakers are are a real possibility for him. And I don't know, like if I'm a Laker fan, I'd rather have Jordan Clarkson. I'd rather spend that money on somebody else. You know? Yeah, I, 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 I like Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> I don't know I how I feel about Jordan Clarkson, but I don't I'm I'm I wouldn't there's no clear answer to what's the point with Rondo. Do you think he's gonna? There's a there's a switch to be flipped if he's on the Lakers. You'd have to say like, all right, we're turning our team over to him, and he's going to do everything, and he's going to be our coach on the floor, and, and blah blah blah. And it's like, what team is actually going to do that? I don't see it. It's not going to be the Lakers, especially if Kobe's playing. Right. The other thing I noticed, and this has been something that's been the case all year, but and I love this guy, and he he still put up twenty four and eight by the way, but. Dirk defensively is probably the worst defensive player, like who is an important player in the league. <laughs> he is. I, I remember this happened to Bird like the last couple of years, and it was it was like just wow, like he just literally can't stay near anybody anymore. And uh, you know they just have a lot of holes. Like they don't have anybody to guard Harden. This is a terrible matchup for them. It's a terrible like matchup it. for them, and and uh, I. Uh, I did write to you that I think Dallas has a chance in in this series because I do think the the power of Carlisle um, at some point will show itself, but it didn't show up in Game One. There was no power of Carlisle in Game One. Yeah, we're gonna have to see the power pretty soon. I think we're gonna have to see it in Game Two. I think if they lose the first two, it's it's it would be more likely to be a, a very short series versus a long one. I thought it was gonna be Rockets in seven, but. Um, they did hard in seventeen free throws. I think is something that could happen every game. Yeah, I and and will. So, um, Celts Cavs. We can. Do, we I have Sean Grandy coming up in ten minutes, so I can, nice. we can wait to talk about that. But uh, if Kyrie's going to play like that, we're we're all in trouble. If he's just if that's going to be a recurring thing, because he was out of his mind in that game. I don't know if he was just hot or if that's going to be his plan for the playoffs, but. Uh, that that everyone's in trouble if he's going to play like that. Well, he's he's kind of been doing it for yeah. two months now, right? Yep. I mean, he's he's kind of uh, a really important part of the big turn the corner that Cleveland had since uh, LeBron came back from his little rest. 
Um, Kyrie has been the one that's been off the charts. He put, you know, he he made the big splash with that game against the Spurs, and you know, it doesn't. There's no there's no indication that it's going to slow down or that it's going to change. So we have the Rockets are now minus four hundred to win their series. Spurs Clippers dead even. I like that. Your Wiz are minus one sixty five against Toronto. <laughs> And the Grizz are only minus four hundred. We might have to step in on that one, House. Oh, that's one. We might have to tease. It may have parlay that one with the Rockets or something. Yeah, that's right. We're gonna have to combo it up. But that's, how are yeah, the Grizzlies only minus four hundred? Is anybody watching that series? Yeah, that's that's terrible. What's All right, the uh, let's go ten minutes on Spurs clips, and then we're done. Great. So you were there. I was there. It was great. I took our friend Nathan. Yeah. And uh, and it was the. It was the best game I've ever had. I've ever seen Chris Paul and Blake Griffin have in the same game. Wow! So I've probably been. To, I don't know. They, this is their fourth year together. I don't know how many times I've seen them play in person. That was easily the best they've both played together. Huh? It was a fantastic crowd. It looked awesome. So the, what's been happening? These Clipper games and the Clippers have been calling the fans out a little bit. And Chris Paul even said that. In the last regular season game, and in the playoffs, he's like, the crowd was good tonight. We're going to need that in the playoffs. Like, these guys are mad when they're playing these big games and there's like, you know, 30% Warriors fans in there. So, obviously, not a lot of Spurs fans probably living in the LA area. So, it was a, like a 98% Clips crowd. Sure. They were into it from the beginning. It started to wane a little bit in the beginning of the second quarter because the Clips bench is so bad, it literally yeah. sucks the life out of the crowd. Right. So it went from this great atmosphere to the, the bench people just like, oh, my God. Like the Austin Rivers buzz in the crowd whenever he has the ball is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> he's like he, – like the clips are – it's like the Little League team where the coach is putting his son at shortstop and all the other parents are like, oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, my I mean, God. Yeah, and and that's mean, like he, the vibe when he's in. I don't think you have but, to say um, it's like that. It is that. <laughs> no, it is that. Yeah. Uh, but then in the – in the third quarter, Barnes and Splitter – no, Barnes and Baines fell into the camera crew fighting over that rebound. Yeah. And then right after, Blake dunked on Baines. Oh. And then like three minutes later, Blake dunked on him again. I mean, the crowd was out of its mind. It was it was, it was just great. It was really the like – uh, It was the so much fun. my favorite parts of those dunks. Oh, I didn't see those because I was oh, there. He went look, nuts. They're worth it. Look them up. So – Here's my take just from being there, and you, you tell me how it translated on TV. Uh, Splitter looks like he's 50%. He, he just, I mean, at end of the first, he came out in the first quarter, he just went to the locker room. Like, he he's just not looks moving. Like, I, don't, I want to see how many minutes he has. He's not moving right. He, he is not healthy. He's um, not healthy. Parker... Parker's got some, like an ankle, and he's old, and he just he, doesn't have that kind of Tony Parker, that fifth gear Tony Parker. Just he's not moving he right either. He can't get to yeah, the he rim. He doesn't look right. Yeah. Nope. Boris, Blake is just a terrible matchup for him. Yeah. I I actually think Boris is a pretty good defensive player. And there's been guys that he's been able to defend. Blake is, is just too fast and strong. Like he just can't – he couldn't figure out what to do. And it actually affected him offensively too. I was surprised by that. Danny Green was horrendous, and yeah. I don't know if that was an aberration or 
or uh, or something that's become a problem. Hold on, I'm looking up his his stats as we go. Um, he was just he he just murdered them in that game. He was really really terrible. And uh, oh yeah, he's been in a slump for a little while here. I'm looking at the splits, and then you know Duncan, who's I voted for second team All NBA. The guy is playing on one leg. You know, I mean, he, yeah. he he looks like he has an artificial leg as his as his left leg. He does everything off his right leg. Yeah. So Danny Green had a good March and a good April. So maybe that must have been an aberration. Um, but my takeaway, and then you tell me what you thought. The the athleticism of Chris and of Blake and DeAndre, um, just was kind of overpowering, and especially in the Blake part. The Spurs don't – he wasn't afraid the Spurs were going to cheap shot him or knock him down, right? He plays all these other teams, and they and they just beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And when he goes to the rim, he's it's in the back of his head, and he's nervous. In that game last night, he looked like rookie year Blake. He looked like he was not afraid of what was going to happen. He was going up. He didn't think he was going to get undercut or any of that stuff, and he was just playing recklessly like he used to. And – if he's going to play like that out series, the Clippers are going to win. So, look, so, this is the thing, right? Maybe that's one of these storylines, the maturation of Blake Griffin. It's taken him – this is his sixth year now? He, uh, he sat out his rookie year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so fifth year. To, to figure out that you have to be sensible about how much energy you expend and, and how important it is to have gears. And he's a guy with, yeah. a, with enough talent to have gears – Last season, he went all out. He had a great season. You know, he you you mentioned him in the in the MVP discussion a couple times through the course of last season. This season, he he took it down a notch. He and and you know it, it was probably a little bit fortuitous. That he got hurt when he got hurt because that also translates translates into rest. He was extremely uh, effective. He's so active. His legs had so much action to him last night. It was it was exciting to see, and maybe he's he's rested. He gets the gears. He's gonna he's gonna assert himself this way against the Spurs. And if he does, you just said the right thing. This series may not go very long if that's that's the Blake that we're gonna get. You know, th- throughout this series, they can't defend him. They don't have anybody to stop him. Well, caveat one: never overreact to a game one. Right? The that's Clips right. played as well as they could possibly play in that game. That was your dream Clippers game, except for how bad their bench was. Caveat number two, the Spurs played like Caveat number three, that Clippers bench is the looming anvil over their season. And if you noticed, and I actually tweeted this before the second half, because they weren't playing game two until Wednesday, they could do this. He just, he played Blake and, and, and Chris for huge minutes in that second half. That They barely came out. Yeah, Blake played but, 43 minutes last night, and Chris played 38. Right, but they both came at, were able to come out for the last three for garbage time. So, so think about that, right? They both would have yeah, played. Yeah, so think about that. They would have put so Blake, Blake over around was on 45 route, on route and Chris for, over 40. Yeah, right. So when we get to the Western Finals, when it goes every other day, that's when the bench is going to become a real problem for them. Now, yeah. Glenn Davis was really good for them yesterday. I've watched a lot of Glenn Davis the last couple of years. That was the best he's played. I'm not, I'm not going to count on him, yeah. but at least he's been in big games, you know, and Crawford, him coming back has helped. Um, so they have seven guys. 
They have seven. That, and I'm counting Big Baby Davis. That I don't feel I, great about. I know. But they literally only have seven guys. Like they they can't even play Haas. Haas was a, the, the trading Dudley in a first round pick for nothing, and then using the free agent exception on Haas was like a flat out catastrophe. <laughs> flat out catastrophe. Might have cost them the title. It's going to go down as a failure. So um, anyway, so that they're going to be rested for for a game two. Throw the kitchen sink into that one, and like, what do you do if you're the Spurs? What's your plan after sitting through that game? I feel like one of the plans has to be: look, you guys got to hit Duncan uh, Griffin. You can't let him just they put go on a trampoline and just jump over everybody. You're going to have to knock him down. You're just going to have to. Do mm-hmm. you think they have that in them to do that? Well, it's not. It's not even. Do they have it in them? Who's going to do it? It's going to have to be Baines. Because yeah, Splitter, it's have Splitter to be played Baines. ten minutes. Bain- Splitter would be that guy. He has the streak, and Splitter's been there and done that. Well, let me tell you that first dunk Blake had over Baines. Yeah. If Baines had just clobbered him on that dunk, yeah, it's a different game. Yeah, it's interesting. And like Memphis, Zebo clobbering. Zebo's not getting dunked on. Zebo's clobbering him on that. You're not dunking him, Blake. I'm hitting you. That's a fact. So. He, he, I noticed something yesterday that I thought was interesting. At one point, Blake and Duncan got tangled up and they fell down. Usually, Blake always gets mad and does his diva routine. And uh, this time, Duncan, like he tapped him on the head when they were still down. They got they helped each other up, and Blake slapped him on the ass. And I'm thinking, like Tim Duncan, the one guy in the league who likes Blake Griffin, because everybody <laughs> else hates him. Everybody else in that situation would have given him an extra elbow or said something, or they would have gotten testy, and it makes me think like this is a really good series for Blake Griffin. You know, like he, it, he's, he, he doesn't have that contempt from the other team that he always has to deal with and the fear of getting hit. And he can just kind of be free, reckless Blake Griffin. It's not good for it, the Spurs. It'll be, it's, it's, the Spurs are not going to shoot uh 30% from three for the, for the rest of the series. No. And Danny Green is not going to go one for seven again. Well, he, I mean, it doesn't seem likely. Let's put no. it that way. Do you think um, they should re-sign Captain Jack just for the last six games? <laughs> I'm all in favor of, and the, the more anything to get more Captain Jack in my life, I support it. So if if he's in shape and he's been shooting, then I would say yes. Captain Jack will 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 take Blake to the dead to the dead end sign, <laughs> and then push him over the cliff. It's the very first thing he would do. So yeah, I, listen, we've all learned not to count out the Spurs, but yeah. uh, that game one was about as discouraging as you can get, but. Also, that's the playoffs that we grew up with. Home team that's, beats the crap out of the other team in game one. That's that's what's supposed to happen. We got it seven out of eight games. The only one was Washington, you know, two mediocre teams, uh, you know, in in a rock fight. Well, that's our friend Sal would always tease all eight home teams together or parlay all eight home teams together in the first game. Oh, that's a great one. Well, it would have it lost this year. It would have lost, but still, that's a fun one. But you could have done it with the other seven. You would have won. Yeah. So going forward, I think, did the Spurs have to win game two? No. That's such like an ESPN question. I apologize for asking for it, asking it. But at the same time, like, I don't know if they can beat this Clips team four out of five. They, they, they can if everybody's healthy. And what we don't know is – Exactly what's the situation with Splitter and, and exactly what's the situation with Tony Parker, right? Uh, yeah. Is a week's worth of rest going to make a, that, a, a difference? 
to Splitter and, and, and Parker. Um, the real, you know what the real problem was with that game last night? The Clippers had the best two players in the game. That's true. That that's, that's a that problem. Was, <laughs> it it may not be true for the for the entire series though. That's that's why you say even if the Spurs lose, they may still because you know you don't you don't call. Um, how do you quantify the advantage that the Spurs have by way of pop over Rivers? Last year, Miami had LeBron. The Spurs had Kawhi go to another level. And I, and it wasn't like a best player in the game thing. Ka- Kawhi is the key guy in this series now, because, um, and they and they were riding him a lot yesterday, and he was guarding all types of different guy. But part of me wonders if you use him to, to defend Blake. Did oh, you see that's that? interesting. So just let Chris get his and or play more Patty Mills or whatever you have to do. Play put Mills and Joseph on on. Chris is going to get his points anyway. Yeah, but I wonder if Kawhi could take out Blake, or what, or what their other plan is for that. You got to let Chris get his twenty-five and twelve because it's happening anyway. It was but a Blake's big number of shots that Chris out. took too. Chris took 20, 20 shots, didn't he? He was. Yeah. Now I, we always talk about gears. Chris is the ultimate guy who has gears. He was yeah. in fifth gear last night. Yeah. He was flying. I mean, he he's just. That play when he goes under the basket like a hockey player and then everybody thinks he's going to dribble it back out, but then he just does the 10-foot fall away on the baseline. Like yeah. Nobody else in the league has that shot. That's a great shot. I love that one. What else? Anything? Did we cover everything? I think we co- I, that, that, that's, uh, that was it. I, they're, they're, um, I was trying to think, which one did we not touch on? What's it? We... People always say because we're buddies, we always agree on too many things. Let's disagree on something. Okay. Disagree with something I said during the podcast. Make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know what the what, what the challenge is there. The uh, just say Fox, that the Cavs are going to sweep the Celtics or something. I do think I'm the Cavs are going to sweep thinking. the Celtics. I'm I'm pretty sure of it after watching that. I don't know. Boston can't score. I mean, that, that it hurt my feelings to be watching that game yesterday and have. You know, a vested interest in the outcome. It hurt my feelings to watch Avery Bradley take those shots. It hurt my feelings to Boston watch. Boston can score. They 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 had nervous guys in that game last year. Well, the guy that can score team. is Evan Turner, and, and he can't score against Cleveland. So, yeah, but that's the president. President Stevens learned one thing in that game, and he learned that when LeBron James is guarding Evan Turner, that we're not going to be able to run our offense. The other the president thing is, will process that and use it for game two. Well, he he talked about this in his uh, end of first quarter um, comment to the ESPN sideline person. The other thing is they, the the Cavs dictate pace. They they yeah. got exactly they scored too many too many points uh, in the first quarter. How's that going to change? The Cavs are going to dictate pace this whole series. The one thing that's not going to change is the offensive rebounding thing because that's killed the Celtics all year. I knew Tristan. Tristan Thompson, if you're, like, if you're in DraftKings or FanDuel, one of those, like Tristan Thompson is a good pick every game because he's going to he's gonna be a double-figure rebounds every game for not a high price. Uh, Joe House, when's your next Wizards game? Tuesday. In Toronto. Going- that's a classic, you know, we've already um, get, uh, done all that we're going to do. We got our one. So go you know, look for Toronto to come out and win by eighteen. I I don't like the way Kyle Kyle Lowry looks at all. 
And I haven't really liked it since the All-Star break. So you might have that in your favor, too. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Good luck. Joe Thanks. House, as always, a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Right on. Celts Cavs did not turn out um, in a way Boston fans probably liked. And trying to fight off the urge that this team is not going to get swept. But one guy who's watched them all year is the radio voice of the Celtics. And my friend, Sean Grady, how are you? I'm great, man. I mean, I'm, I'm just great. I saw your tweet at the end of the game, and as someone who doesn't follow the other side of the NBA, that side, I was very disappointed for you. I didn't really, Probably best I don't follow it because I would have called that last pressy layup differently. Oh, the, the, a lot of gambling implications in that last layup. You, I would you know, have gone Al Michaels at the end of the, Some people on the edge of their seat at the end of this game as Pressy drives the left side. Yeah, but, you know. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you know what the lines are? You know what? The, I've, never found it, I, I've never found it to be terribly useful. Um, yeah. I, again, it has to do with a bigger scale. Like I think the bigger scale, you're right, if you're doing the Super Bowl in 1995, and you know what the line is, it would be almost impossible. And there are certain guys that can get away with it, and certain yeah. guys that can't. You know, Musburger could open. I was doing ABC College Football. Musburger was opening his games, saying, ah, we're here in Michigan, and the Wolverines are a 12-point fit. You know, the joke in our crew was that Brent used to bet more on the games that you know, he was doing than I was getting paid to do the games I was doing. So, you know, there's, there's certain, certain scales. I, I guess it's something, it is something I probably should be more aware of. It just seemed like, you know, always something to avoid. I'll just I'll just email you the lines from now. I appreciate so, it. So, um, to the most discouraged, I'll list my discouraging things about Game One in order. I thought you said you only had an hour. One, well, one was that Kyrie Irving um, was out of his mind, and yep. what worries me is that it might not have been an aberration. And then two, um, Evan Turner, who, as you know, has been kind of secretly crucial to everything the Celtics have done these last few months as the point forward was removed from the game by LeBron James uh, completely. Which one of those worries you more? Uh, the second one by far because – or more that that's, that's the real issue. Kyrie was spectacular yesterday. I, and if he's spectacular three more times just like that, it will be a sweep. But that's, those aren't the plays that, that kill you. What kills you is when – you have to help on LeBron with Evan Turner and Tyler Zeller leaves the basket and the Cavs get a couple of offensive rebounds because of it. It's not the sports center plays that kill you. LeBron goes end-to-end, has the crazy slam, the place goes berserk. Celtics came right back five seconds later. They run a little set for Brandon Bass. He knocks down a 12-footer, and I'm pretty sure those count the same. It's But the LeBron issue is the much bigger one. When I was asked, leading up to it, there was still a mathematical chance the Celtics could play Atlanta, and I was asked about the difference between what a Celtics matchup would be in those two. And I said, well, against the Cavs, Evan Turner is going to have to deal with LeBron. And if it's Atlanta, or if it's Atlanta Evan Turner is going to be guarding Damari Carroll. And if it's Cleveland, he's not going to be guarding Damari Carroll. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. At the well, end of the but day, then on the flip, what about the flip side, though, where LeBron is guarding Evan Turner? Well, listen, he's the best player. And the Celtics in 08, the discussion was, can you win a series when the other team has the best player? And the Celtics had three or four or five of the best. This is kind of like our, you know, our BS report history, 2008. Then in 2010, when we talked during that Cleveland series, the idea was, can you win if the other team has the best player? And it turns out Rondo was the best player in that series in 2010. The Celtics have, what they have accomplished should not go unappreciated over the final 36 games to win with this sort of land of misfit toys lineup, beating good teams, winning all these road games. But, you can win in the regular season when you're 6 through 10 
is better than everybody else's 6 through 10, and it really is unappreciated. But when you get to the playoffs, you're talking about 1, 2, and 3, and 1, 2, and 3 starts with Cleveland. Can you explain to our audience why the Celtics are wired in a way that um, they 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 didn't do the smart thing and just tanked the last two games so they could have played Atlanta? I think that that's a tough thing. I had a harder time explaining that last year, and you know, you a little bit the difference. And the Knicks went through this a little bit this year. I know that you know Knicks fans got really upset at the last at the end of the season when you win those games, and that was the difference in Boston between this year and last year. That tanking thing was overwhelming from the start. Even when the Celtics would win games in November, it was just, you know, I, and it was tough. You know, if you're in my spot, what are you supposed to do? You know, Jeff Green from the corner, ah, oh, son of a, he made it. The Celtics win. You know, what are you supposed to do? And I just think you can't, this is a bigger picture issue with the NBA, and obviously it's something that has to be addressed about rewarding teams for losing. But how do you wire players? You can only do so much. You can try to feel the team. Uh, you know, of, of misfit toys, as some of the teams, you know, of, of really guys that can't play, or Danny Ainge's process was to acquire assets. And the best example this year of of the wiring you're talking about is, if you wait till the summer to try to get Isaiah Thomas, you might not get him. There was an opportunity to get Isaiah Thomas. So that's an asset you wanted, a great contract. Obviously, as we've seen, a special player that just got edged out today for six man by Lou Williams. If Danny Ainge waits till the summer, maybe he doesn't get him, so you have to make that move. Well, the consequence of that is now the Celtics have the one thing they haven't had all year, which is someone who can score off the bench, someone who can shoot free throws. Isaiah Thomas, by the way, if he doesn't get hurt, if Dwayne Wade doesn't take him out and add him to his list of victims over the years, then Isaiah Thomas could have led the Celtics in free throw attempts this year, playing total free throw attempts, playing just 28, 29 games. So you by adding this asset, which makes your franchise stronger. What you did was you made this team much better and gave them a chance to make the playoffs. So, And as I've said a million times, if Danny Ainge wanted to miss the playoffs this year, the guy he needed to trade was Brad. Right. Well, they, Brad kind of has a deal with them, right, where it's like Danny can do whatever he wants with the actual roster, but Brad is going to try to win with whoever he gives him. Yeah, I mean, that's it's sort of deal. an unspoken deal, but of course, of course that's it. Brad's going to take whatever, you know, Brad is, uh, let's not, I mean, this is, we often fight the battle to not date ourselves, but let's do it anyway. He's MacGyver. So yeah. you just throw him all these crazy things. Here's a paper clip and a rubber band and whatever, and try to, you know, make a, a radio out of it and, and win some games. And that's what he's done. Taking players like, you know, Evan Turner, figured out how to make him successful. You know, Jay Crowder was the guy the Celtics had their eyes on for a while. And one day when you, finally run out of ideas for 30 for 30s, I'll give you one right now. What if I told you the Celtics traded Rajon Rondo for Jay Crowder and would get better? House and I were just talking about if Dallas had just kept Jay Crowder and Brandon Wright and their first-round pick and then tried to use that first-round pick for a different point guard, maybe you didn't have the same value as Rondo, even if it was like Jeremy Lin. Yeah, and you don't – listen, I think the Rondo thing, we're still a couple of years away from being able to make a final call, but are we looking at you know pre-ACL and post-ACL Rondo? And we're still waiting. It's one playoff game, so we don't know yet if playoff Rondo will show up. But you and I I watched all the games he played before he got hurt, and we watched the games after, and he's not the same guy. No, there's there's no question. And, you you know, there's a time period where you go by, okay, there takes a year to recover, and then it's usually another year before you're being back to that guy again. But, you know, the year has gone by. And I don't think, listen, the Rondo issue, which if you had three hours, you couldn't do the Rondo issue, because anyone that has a really strong talk radio, you know, opinion about Rondo 
really doesn't get it because he's far more complicated than being strongly on one side or the other. But the numbers are the numbers. And each of the last three years, the Celtics with three very different teams have been better without him than with him. Yeah. And it, it, just think with the way the league is gone, I've said this before, I'll say it again. The way the league is going, if you can't shoot threes and you can't get to the free throw line, I'm not sure where that leaves you as a point guard. You better be just an A-list, everywhere else kind of guy. I mean, you better be grabbing 10 to 12 rebounds a game and getting 10 to 14 assists a game because if you can't do those other things, just the way everything's going, I, I don't know where you, I don't know where you are. The and game that's why changes. You no, know, you're right. The game changes quickly that way. The NFL does that a little bit. You know, the NFL game changes so quickly that guys that you know were a prototype coming out of college a couple of years later might either have to, you know, change their skill set or they, they find themselves obsolete. And Rondo, remember, I still amazed, you'd be amazed how many people, Dallas people texted me, oh, we're going to get so much better defensively, we really needed his defense. And I was just, you know, just doing the eye roll about Rondo's defense. And in those epic playoff games, when Rondo was being Rondo, he could do a lot of things to affect the game defensively. But you have to remember, his prime years came playing in front of the best defensive player of the last 25 years. So he can right. do a lot of the things you know, that, that he was doing. Yeah. I love Rondo, but I start the Rondo we're seeing now kind of missed his calling by 30 years. He's from a different era. God, there's no question about that. And I think there's guys from the 80s and early 90s who would have absolutely loved to play now, you know? And just, mm-hmm. just that's the way it goes sometimes. But um, he need, I, I was saying in the house, like, it's a little like the Evan Turner thing where – he can't succeed unless he has the ball all the time. And like Evan Turner was this, is this guy who has had these monster, monster games for the Celtics this year. And last year, Indiana couldn't even play him in a series where they didn't have enough guys to play. They couldn't figure out how to use him. Some guys are just like that. They need the ball. That's it. Well, doesn't that bring us back to you know Evan Turner on this team? Because who else needs the ball? So the, there are advantages. Isaiah needs the ball. Isaiah needs the ball, but how much are Isaiah and Evan Turner playing together? They have Well, you know. I think the one adjustment Stevens is going to make is to try to make it so that Turner and LeBron are going against each other as little as possible. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he started Jay Crowder over Turner in game two. Yeah, Jay Crowder's been a revelation. You know, for all Celtic fans who have been saying for years, we need James Posey. We need another James Posey. Well, now yeah. you got a James Posey who's, you know, not even not even close to being twenty five yet. So you know, you Wouldn't you him. say that would you say the Celtics are like this uh this fancy ten course meal when all the appetizers are really great. It's just awesome, but then the entree never came out? When you'd have to extend the analogy to the regular season versus the playoffs, where the regular season would be one of those nights where you go out and you just really want appetizers, and then you're going to go do something else. You're going to pick. Or, or exactly. Yeah, you're picking on the Celtics. Oh, right. I'll, I'll try the Jay Crowder. That looks good. Exactly. And it, it fits. Listen, the Celtics, this is what we found watching the Celtics in the second half of the year, particularly where it was alarming to me, was going out west and seeing the elite teams. You know, At the time, Portland was elite, the Clippers, and the Celtics would get their second unit on there. And this was even before the before Isaiah Thomas, the Tayshaun Prince run. And six through ten, the Celtics were better than yeah. these elite teams in the league. And you start seeing, you know, the Celtics, you know, players like Brandon Bass and Jay Crowder and or you know, I was like, you know, you look at the Clippers, and all year long the Clippers have been missing that one thing. You know, they're missing Jay Crowder. 
Yeah. That's who the, the Celtics have all these players that if you, you know, hand pick them and place them on some of these contending teams, they would be unbeatable. But, well, we, you know, now we're us, down to the time where it's not 6 through 10 anymore. It's 1 through 3. Both of us were dumbfounded that nobody went after Brandon Bass. <laughs> Isn't it the, uh, Brandon Bass was like the guy. He was just still there. At the end, I, I literally, he, this is a true story. Ran into Brandon Bass the day after the trade deadline, like we're in Phoenix. And we get to the, we're staying after the game and in the Cheesecake Factory, and there's Brandon Bass. And I just went, I said, you're still here. And he just had a huge smile on his face. And he's like, yeah, I know. It's almost like everybody forgot about it. And this is a guy who really could have helped somebody. And instead, he helped the Celtics get to the playoffs. I mean, you know, regardless of what happens here over the next three or four games, whatever it's going to be, the Celtics went 24-12. and 12 over the final 36 games. There's only so, you know, you can go 7-3 and three and have a flukish 10-game run. This was 36 games. This is a legitimate accomplishment, and I think it's the only the bad news for Celtics fans is that you just ran into the wrong team. You just match up with the wrong team in the playoffs. Any other team in the East, you could have had a legitimate chance, I think, to win the series. Yeah, I agree with that. Everyone says Brandon not, Bass is a great guy, Atlanta. too. Atlanta's really good, and of course they're not getting the respect, but Atlanta series might have had a different feel. The Celtics could play well every game, and lose four straight to Cleveland. You can't say that about the other teams. Well, I'm still coming back for game three and four. I don't care. Well, you're, you know, your your loyalty is on... And you, as by the way, you should. And the building should be rocking on Thursday night because if you can't celebrate a team... You know, what kind of team do you want? Do you want a team like... Even last year's team played hard at times. But do you want a team like the Knicks or the Sixers or whatever fielded this year or, the team, or Minnesota? Or do you want a team that really accomplished something? And you want to make it tough for Cleveland. You want you want to see Cleveland earn it. I mean, here the the general feeling is they're going to walk backwards into the into the NBA Finals. And while that's very possible, they're going to have to play better than they did yesterday. That was not an overly impressive. You know, Kyrie was spectacular as he has been throughout times, and LeBron is always going to be LeBron. But they're going to need to be better. And maybe the best case I think for the NBA and for the Cavs is that the Celtics play at a level that makes the Cavs get a little better. Uh, silver linings from that game one for me. I, I think I think the Cavs are, aren't really that good defensively, especially when they have to play Love and Thompson together and things yep. like that. You can you can get to the rim on them. Isaiah was getting wherever he wanted. Um, the Celtics took good shots the whole game. I do think if Kyrie hadn't pulled a couple shots out of his butt there in the first half. The game, the game might have unfolded a little bit differently. Look, LeBron and Kyrie is still the worst possible matchup for the Celtics team because they don't have the rim protectors, and those guys are going to be able to get to the rim. But um, I do think they can have a better game in game two. I also didn't think the Cleveland – like you were there. It was the Cleveland crowd. Like they were telling them to cheer throughout the game. It seemed like that was kind of a dead crowd, right? Celtics took them out of it. I think at the start – I mean, the place was so hyped – Going into it, yeah. you know, it's been, you have to understand, it's funny because I was saying this during the game yesterday, we've been watching LeBron go to the finals every year, and you forget that it has been tumbleweeds here for five years. Yeah. They have been waiting, you know, because everybody, everybody just moves on in the NBA. That's how it works. You just move on from the cities. Uh, last year, I'll do this in as quickly a story as I can, but it's one of my favorites because it tells you what the NBA is like. Last year, I'm doing a game for CBS, a college game. I see David Aldridge at the game. Run into him afterwards. Hey, how you doing? Haven't seen you. Big dap. What's going on? Catch up. Hey, that Brad Stevens. This is really interesting. And at the end, you know, big hug. And he says, I'll see you soon. I'm like, no, you won't. No, you won't. Because that's not how it works. When you disappear, you disappear. 
in the NBA, and Cleveland's yeah. been gone. So the place was crazy at the start. I thought LeBron was hyped out of his mind to the point he had to come out of the game five minutes. Yeah, in. he was. He was just, you know, he was he was like Hulk. He was hulking up in the first five minutes. It was like, you know, Con the Celtics just do what they do, which is that they just go. They look like the veteran team yesterday. They're just playing slow and easy, doing what they do, and they took the crowd out of it. But you know. It just takes one of those Kyrie crazy shots or a LeBron steal and one of those transition dunks, and, and the place goes crazy. Give me your best Brad Stevens story. Huh. Well, I did. I'll tell you this. I mean, I did tell him yesterday. I tried. You know, I, I do five minutes with. Him. I'm happy with now how the pregame show is going because it took a while to kind of carve through. I knew right away I was dealing with a different animal after doing nine years of shows with Doc Rivers, which you could just show up and have you know do a great radio show with him. And last year, remember the Richie Incognito day when it was the unbelievable, you know, huge story all day on SportsCenter yeah. and that. And that's the kind of stuff that I do on my show because it's 82 games. I'm not going to do X's and O's. I want to talk about what's going on. He's a coach, so I thought he'd have an opinion. And I got there that night, and I was like, well, I thought I'd do some of the Richie. And he's like, well, why, what happened? And it was like that old Saturday Night Live sketch about the guy that doesn't know that Kennedy got shot. You know, what, does, did something happen? The president can't. So I realized, you know, I'm in an entirely different world. But yesterday, uh, after trying desperately to get something out of him about this day being a little bit different or coaching in a playoff game or something interesting and realizing after the wrestling match it just was not going to happen, I said this is going to be the first day that a network switches not from a game to a better one but from a coach's mic to a better one. They're just going to, you know, they're going to just switch off Brad Stevens' mic and go to a more compelling one somewhere else right. he, he he listen he's a fast he is or really he's a fun guy you know he's not going to light the world up personality wise but he doesn't he doesn't want to he has been thrown into this world he never had to do media at butler did maybe one post-game thing now he's doing like eight hits you know a day of just you know feeding the feeding the media so he's he's warming up to it but his his happiness is is curling up with a you know a game tape and a X's and O's and drawing out of timeout plays. And who would you rather have as your coach? It seems like the players absolutely love him. They do. And I was that was the one thing I didn't know. How's this going to work? Listen, I've seen, you know, we've all seen college coaches. I laughed at the, the Patino Calipari comparisons of people because that you know, he's a totally different guy. It was just a completely awful analogy. But I didn't know how NBA players would respond to him. And I think. Half of them just appreciated the dedication and the respect he showed him. I think some of the veterans just got such a kick out of it that he was just so into it and so prepared yeah. and so real. And we live, you know, there are coaches in the league who are a little bit, hey, look at me. You know, oh, yeah, we made some adjustments, you know, for game two and, you know, like taking the thumbs and pointing at themselves, look at me, look at me. And that's the nature of the beast almost forces you to be a self-promoter. <laughs> in our business too but he's not like that he's as real as real gets and i think players appreciate coaches that put them in a position to succeed and i think that is the story with the celtics right now and being on national tv for the first time that maybe there are some players around the league that saw two things brad stevens this year and boy this is a coach i could have success playing for and the paul pierce stock rivers kevin garnett returns to boston last year and how they were treated as royalty upon their returns and saying to yourself you know, not only can I win there, that'd be a pretty cool place to win. Mm, I hope you're right. Part of me wonders if these guys even notice anything. It depends. It, you know, it all depends on who it is. I don't think it's going to be your average, you know, your typical NBA player. But this is the funny thing about Boston. I've talked to players about this. You ask a player, a visiting NBA player, about coming to Boston, you know the first thing they're going to tell you? It's cold. 
I don't mean the city. I mean the building. You know, the ring's always cold. You can't shoot before. And Boston has is a very unusual place in that players don't necessarily think of it as a place they want to go. But once they have been there, you never hear, you rarely hear players trashing playing in Boston after they leave. They love it there. I was talking, you know, Brian Scalabrini uh, we, and I talked about this, and I said, you played with a guy who I think is a perfect example. Ask Joe Kim Noah about Boston. He probably hates it. Joe Kim Noah, if he played in Boston, would absolutely love it. He'd love the city. The fans would love him, the way he played. So to me, it's just a matter of it, when players either find themselves in Boston or take the chance on Boston, nine times out of ten, they have a pretty positive experience. Isaiah Thomas was, was probably not – well, he's not listening to the podcast, but he'd be nodding right now if he was, if he was listening to this. He's, he loved it. He's, and I think people there sometimes caught off guard a little bit. Yeah. But, but, you know, we think of, you know, I think older people think of Celtics tradition. And I isn't. As, as some people know, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in New York, the Boston tradition. I rooted against the Celtics hard when I was a kid. But you cannot help but have, you know, respect and reverence for it and appreciation when you're in the environment. And we think about the parquet floor and Russell. And that's not players now. This is about Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Doc Rivers and the new big three. And the Celtics Lakers series, if that's what, you know, this hit home. I was doing the Frozen Four last week, and you're talking to players about their first great college hockey moment. And they're talking about games from like 09. Oh, yeah, that famous game back in 09. So it's very important to readjust your, you know, I'm making a joke about MacGyver. You have to readjust your thinking to say what represents history for these players, why they'd want to play in Boston, has nothing to do with Bill Russell and John Havlicek. It's about Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Right. Uh, it doesn't help to have Tommy Heitzen still sitting there. <laughs> it always helps to have Tommy Heitzen sitting there in, in any capacity. And the more ballots he gets, the more ch- – you know, I, I don't know if he had a six-man vote. Obviously, would if he, uh, he voted – I'm sure he voted Brad Stevens, Coach of the Year, and Avery Bradley was probably MVP. And- Jonas <laughs> – Jericho is the new Larry Bird. Uh, I can't I, – I'm amazed at how good Jericho is. I mean, I've been in this league 17 years, and I did not realize how how many different things he could do. So you watch it, him every night. It is interesting. First of all, I've, I've, I, I know how to pronounce his name, and I've just, I just can't do it. I call him Jerebko. Um, I'm it's also a, actually Jonas, but no, it's like one of those things, once you come in the league, once it's Jonas, it's Jonas. But doesn't it sound like Jonas Jerebko doesn't sound like it should be the way you say his name? Right. But that's it how, should, sounds like it should be Jonas Jerebko. Cool he's cool with it. The best story, you know, after doing this a lot of years, you end up with stories. Mark Blunt was Mark Blount for years in the league and here's how we found out we have to go through customs in canada it's different from flying to any other city and you stand in line and you go through the customs officers and you hand them your stuff and you have to say your name and we're standing in line and it's you know gorman heinson grandy and then he goes blunt and we all turned around like what he goes yeah it's blunt so we've been saying blunt for five years he goes i know i just never said anything isn't so, that thibodeau yeah, thibodeau, point, thibodeau did the same you are, thing you are. didn't thibodeau thibodeau do that yeah he did he didn't. The Thibodeau thing didn't happen until he was, you know, he's like once he won a championship. and he was Actually, it was when he went to Chicago that he went back to, to Thibodeau. The Jarebko thing makes me wonder, though, should you just make a whole list of guys who have blown out their ACLs two years ago and and now are declining stocks and then grab them as they're kind of on the ascent again? Because he was pretty good on the Pistons before he hurt his knee. Like, he did get a big contract from them for a role player. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that happens is guys just end up in the wrong place and sort of disappear from sight. And the, the teams that Aaron have success are the guys that have those best, you know. It's like I, I don't think anyone, probably anyone still listening to us now, knows that you don't win your fantasy league in the first round. You win it in the late round. 
Yeah. That's, that's how you do it. All right. Well, I heard Tommy, I think it was before Game 82 on the pregame show, did this whole thing about, well, you need the house and your building, and you got the tar and you got the plaster and, and now you just need the foundation. And that's kind of where the Celtics, I, I can't do it as well as he did it, but when he did it, it made sense. And it's like the Celtics have now built this awesome house and now they just have to decorate it with two all-stars. Which is, you know, so easy. <laughs> yeah, just we just got to go out and get those two all-stars. All, We're all good you to need go. is, you know, and hey, lightning will strike or it doesn't, but this is kind of my biggest problem and maybe it's doing what I do in that you're trying to tell a story every night that if there's 30 teams in the league and only one of them is going to win and only four or five have a chance to win, does that mean 25 teams? Are you wasting your time for six months playing 82 games or are there stories every night? And that's why I hope Thursday night in Boston is a great environment and people appreciate what this team accomplished because there's a lot of teams that aren't in the playoffs. There are teams that have missed the playoffs seven, eight, nine years in a row and give anything to have games like this. And I get the concept that, oh, we're not about making the playoffs, we're about winning a championship. That's great. But, you know, the here and now could be pretty cool too. Did you see that? I think I saw it on uh, the NBA Reddit page that only three lottery picks since 2004 have won a championship. And it was like Adam Morrison, Corey Brewer, and Andrew Bynum. Well, don't you think history is going to show the deeper we go, the younger players are you know, are taken, there's going to be much more, there's going to be a lot more variation. Not to mention the fact that, you know, winning a championship with the team that, that drafted you is going to be at all, you know. Well, well it almost seems only... like, yeah, you need, you, you're, everybody's like, got to get that top four pick, got to get the top four pick. And I just think there's so much more luck built into it than we realize or, or consider. And that's why I didn't care if the Celtics had the 11th pick or the 16th pick. I think for me, it is so much better for Marcus Smart to have to guard LeBron and Kyrie in a playoff series. That alone is worth the four pick difference from 12 to 16. In my opinion, I might be crazy. And another time, with all your fancy NBA people that you talk to, find out why nobody who votes for Rookie of the Year votes the same way that they do for MVP. Whereas you would never... Listen, Andrew Wiggins is going to win. That's fine. I have no problem with it. I, I think I ended up voting for Andrew Wiggins. But nobody would ever vote an MVP who scored 28 a game on the worst team in the league. <laughs> right, that's but true. But Rookie of the Year, like Miritich, played a huge role on a home court playoff team. Yeah. And yet it's a and you know, and then you have the whole offense defense metric idea that Marcus Smart was the best defensive rookie this year, depending on how you rate Noel and, and whatever, but you know what I'm saying. That you you compare Wiggins and Smart, ninety nine point nine out of a hundred people are gonna say that Andrew Wiggins had a better year than Marcus Smart when one was the offensive rookie of the year and one was the defensive rookie of the year. But everybody nobody nobody treats rookie of the year that way. It's almost like whoever gets the most points wins. All right, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you in Boston, Massachusetts later this week. I think everybody looks forward to your to your return. You should walk uh, out with that legend, you know, at the uh, at the beginning with the fire, with the car fire thing that you and Jalen had last year. With the, yeah, the I'll, I'll, I'll work on that. Up. Yeah, I'll work on that. Uh, <laughs> and we and we'll have our wrestling talk then. I look forward to it. All right, Sean Grandy, thank you. 